Welcome to Dr. Jeffrey Ross' Looking Good and Feeling Great podcast, live from Las Vegas, with his co-host, Daryl Craig Harris. Hi, this is Dr. Jeffrey Roth, your board-certified plastic surgeon, here live in Las Vegas, Nevada. Very live. Very live. <laughs> Couldn't be liver. I love that intro. Nigel, he's our um, co-producer in France, actually. A very proper British accent. <laughs> uh-huh. And you go from that to me, from the sublime to the ridiculous. That's, that's, what, you, that's what you get. Yes. <laughs> so today, on this episode, actually, we're going to talk um, even, we, we talk a lot, about, a lot of breasts, which is good. Imagine that. Um, <laughs> so uh, we want to talk about, a bit, get a little bit more depth in, in depth into uh, breast reduction. Um, and I guess let's uh, talk sure. about that. So the topic, breast reduction. Uh, again, I think this is a really, I think it's a powerful operation. I think it's a good operation mm-hmm. for, again, the right candidate. Right. Um, we talk about indications. Indications are reasons why you go to the operating room. And oftentimes it's and not only just the size and the weight and the mass, but also the pendulousness, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, and, and as things are kind of hanging and pulling and tugging all the time, I think that is something that really um, increases people's uh, neck and back pain, uh, there's shoulder strapping, there's all of those sorts of things. Um, especially younger girls, they don't want to play sports, uh, they get embarrassed, they don't want to go to the uh, to the, the pools, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. It's challenging for, we talked about that before, teen girls, yeah. right? Oh, yes. Yeah. So uh, so I think for that, I think it would be a very, very powerful uh, operation to go ahead and really kind of reel things in and, mm-hmm. and such. And I often say is, um, when it comes to lifts or, or reductions especially, is, is if you have your backpack and uh, the straps are too long, uh, it hurts, right? So, but if you go ahead and shorten up the straps and put the backpack on the back well, where it's supposed to be, then it's okay. Same thing, but just kind of on the front, if you can go ahead and shorten up the distance uh, and kind of put things back where it's supposed to be, uh, most people really feel better about that. Uh, they're actually some of um, our most uh, thankful patients, uh, some of them feel better in the recovery room. Hmm. And uh, they say, you know, Doc, I've had this for so long, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Uh, and, and, and I think it can be a really, really pop- powerful operation for some folks. Yeah. And that's a, and it's a serious issue. I mean, I, um, that kind of thing, not only from the pain standpoint, but just, just for how they feel about themselves, how they feel oh, about sure. themselves uh, without clothes on with their partners and right all of it and i I think that that and again you still want to have an aesthetic eye you still want to make them look nice and look pretty and the other thing too is is you really got to go ahead and ask you know we talked about this the whys and wherefores for example one of the questions asked is okay you know you're uh, an e what size do you want to be and some folks will say oh i want to be a d i want to some folks will say doc i want to be an a i want you to cut them off and i'm like okay wait a minute so (laughs) now we're not talking reduction we're actually talking a breast amputation or mastopexy right and they're like yeah that's what i want i'm like okay well let's talk about that okay and so we can really sort of see uh you know if that's the goal and what we want to kind of do with the goal etc because some folks you know actually do want that but you then you really have to do some counseling etc sure. and then you have and to talk about figure out why right that's and then you have to talk about the nipple area of the complex and putting it on as basically um uh, like a skin graft which is what you don't do with a breast reduction and 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 for those big big operations like i just talked about you do about two of those a career okay but having said that is, is the typical breast uh, reduction is we don't take the nipple and put it on the table and staple it back on right it's always attached to you so People will go ahead and say, "Well, Doc, I want to be as small as I can." And here's a here's a key point: is there has to be a certain amount of tissue left with a breast reduction to be able to get the nipple areola complex enough blood flow for it to be happy and viable. Okay. Right. So again, those girls that want to uh, say, "Well, geez, Doc, I want an A," I say, "Well, wait a minute." I can be aggressive, but I can be aggressive to the point of safety. Right, okay? right. And so that little island that the nipple area of the complex is going to live off of, it can be 8 to 10 centimeters depending on who you read, et cetera. Okay, fine. But that is the safety zone that you're going to have that much breast tissue. Also, the flaps that of the skin that are going to turn come around and make the uh, the breast look like a breast again, they have to be a certain thickness too. So there's sure. there's a certain number I can't get under as far as that goes uh, to be safe. Size, right. Right. Yeah. So so that's why we counsel people and say, "All right, I can get to, you know, X. There's got to sure. be some 
judgment, use the time of surgery, but again, we'll get you, get you as aggressive as I can, but we have to be safe. Safe is always, always key. And are you getting, um, and we kind of touched on this before, are you getting more and more requests about having implants removed? And how yes. does that play into that? Whole sure. Situation? I mean, the, the thing is, is, is in our trends in plastic surgery, if you will, you and I have talked about this before. Sure. When I very first came to town, everybody wanted to be size zero, right? Everybody wanted to be Nicole Ritchie. They want to be Paris Hill. I mean, it's small. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the Kardashians showed up. Right, okay, and exactly. everyone wanted curves, and everybody wanted BBLs, and everyone wanted all this kind of stuff. So <clears throat> there is that fashion, if you will. There are certain tenants or certain ratios that have always been beautiful and I think um, right. it's uh, a, they, there's actually a mathematical formula right? well guys have worked on that for years right yeah. the ratio of uh, you know uh, 1 to 1.618 1. all that right. so and there's a few guys in LA that did exactly that they went ahead and, and took all these movie stars and did all the measurements and sure. uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so what is beauty? And, and again, right. there's an international, norms right, for beauty, right. Yeah. there's international beauty. Uh, and then there's also norms within uh, countries, et cetera. And sometimes those change. For example, uh, down in Brazil, <clears throat> Brazil uh, typically liked uh, kind of, you know, bigger butts, uh, right. but flat uh, on top. And then Baywatch showed up. And then Playboy <laughs> yeah. showed up. And, sure. and then everybody wanted to kind of look like Pam Anderson. And, uh, and and so, again, those will change a little bit. So to, yeah. to your point is some of the Vegas showgirls from the 70s and 80s and that had big implants for a long time, they may say, ah, Doc, you know, these are great, but, you know, can we kind of tone it down a little bit right. or those folks that have had them placed at age 26 uh, now they've had a couple of babies or they've hit menopause and uh, things have gotten bigger and so hey can we downsize etc or maybe so, they're just in a different place in their life right? absolutely yeah. right so absolutely right so it, it just kind of depends on again on the patient and where they are and what's going on in their universe mm -hmm. as to okay well what fits you and your universe right now sure and then we kind of look forward a little bit as well i mean we get called upon to do really large breast implants now and then but we have a talk about that as well as like this is where we're going to go down the line you're going to need a lift later and da, 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 and all that what's your comfort zone as far as size as far as largeness like is there a certain where you try not to go over a certain size right. for you or? my whole thing is proportion okay. so basically take a look at their at their hips and shoulders and see where they are proportion wise mm -hmm. that's number one number two is now if you're going to want to make a conscious aesthetic decision where I say well you really should be about a full C small D which mm -hmm. is where most kind of people want to be because they uh, they I, I think that size looks good in a swimsuit or an evening sure, gown but right. still and it's you not can too play softball right the right. next day so um, but and then you say okay well that's great doc but I want X now you're making a conscientious or a conscious a conscious decision uh, as to okay uh, this is the aesthetic I want. And that's okay, right. you know, within reason. But uh, you say, okay, well, I want to have this kind of more busty, a little more wow look. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's cool. Yeah. And as long as everybody's on the same and page. And there's a physiology to that. Too, right. right. And then, of course, then you look at the anatomy and see if they can go ahead and pull this off. Sure. Right. So, you know, a little, a tiny girl who's four, four foot ten inches tall uh, and has nipples on chest wall that are just flat as a pancake and she wants 800 cc's you're like right. okay wait wait wait, we got to talk about this yeah. so so again it really kind of just depends now to answer your question the biggest size they make in the united states is 800 cc's okay and they make different ones in brazil and there's some guys that that will go ahead and do that but but the the thing with that is 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 for example and we talked about this a little bit is a 600 cc implant a 600 cc mm -hmm. implant let's say on a uh, our four foot eleven girl sure. is going to be preposterous, Gig gigantic, right? right? Now, you, another girl comes in and she's six foot four and looks like an East German swimmer from back in the day, right? She <laughs> right, got big, sure. big shoulders Muscular, and stuff like that, yeah, right? right? And you drop a six hundred in there and you're like, where to go? Right. Okay. Sure. So yeah. for me, it really depends on again the individual, but my favorite measurement is base width how wide your breast is, right? Okay. So if you're a little gal, you're maybe ten. All right. Well, if you're ten, that's centimeters that's fine the little book says oh she should be 300 cc's right. okay and uh now i'm a little bit paranoid so i always bring in a size above and a size below to the operating room with me okay. i also like to use sizers and by that i mean we make our incision we get into the pocket i put sizers in yeah. typically and then we sit you up on so the I table you realistic right we sit yeah. you up on the table 
and go up and down, I'll go f- up 50, go down 25, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Because I think that there's an interaction between the heart tissue, soft tissue, and the implants themselves. Right. For example- It's a whole system has to work together. Right. right. So yeah. basically, so the one, one gal about a month ago, she, one of her ribs stuck out a little bit. Well, that's a 25 cc difference. Okay, so I put in a 400 on one side and a 425 on the other side. Who cares as long as it works for her? Uh, and so that's why I like to use the sizers. Sure. I take the sizers out. I put the real implants in. We sit her up again, make sure things look good, put her back down. So so I sit people up and down. I drive my poor anesthesiologist crazy. Um, <laughs> I'm also a little nuts. I, I go ahead um, and close and I lock the door to my OR so that people don't wander in and wander out because yeah. I'm crazy about well, sterility. Yeah, you don't want the distraction. Uh, what well, I just steri- uh, sterility uh, for me. Sure, and, and, right. and so and the nurses get me. I'm kind of old school and they just kind of like roll, yeah. their, roll their eyes and they get it. But but for me, I'm doing everything that I think I, I, I can within reason to get us uh, the best outcome uh, we right. can. Now, uh, so somebody who's you know bigger, again, they... For example, one girl can be 300 cc's and be a C, and the other girl can be 400 cc's and be uh, a C. And that's where it gets confusing because girlfriends will say, well, what size are you? Right. And this and that, right? So it really sure. sort of depends on their base width. And then you get to the internet, and it gets really confusing really mm-hmm. fast. Uh, and so that's why and social, I... And yeah, social media, oh, unreal, thing, unrealistic right. expectations. Uh, oh, yeah. So, so again, <laughs> uh, that's why I tell folks, don't fall in love with a CC. By all means, come on in see us we'll measure it out and then we'll kind of come up with the best um you know with the best thing for that particular patient and i tell patients all the time hey i'd rather you spend 20 minutes with me than 20 hours on the internet right okay so you come in it's all about you we measure 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 we take a look we see what's you know what's what works for you with your tissue type and then we can make a plan do you find that most of your patients come in with a set like i'm going to get this done and they're just really it's just really kind of figuring out how to get it done and what it depends uh, it, it depends the the breast dogs typically they they come in they want to take a look uh, and they want to go they, mm-hmm. they, they facelifts they tend to one be older uh, and two be a little more well let me go and think about this etc 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 and so it really kind of depends on what the demographic of the uh, uh, of the patient and then what they're really kind of coming in for mm-hmm. yeah, yeah the procedure i would imagine um right. we talked a little bit about also to um breasts on men and that's that is an issue that happens i'm sure what's the term i know right so gynecomastia right, right? so or some guy man boobs all right sure. so and there's a few ways to get that one <clears throat> is uh those guys that uh, smoke a lot of marijuana uh, oh. will sometimes do that. Interesting. Uh, two is folks that have been on a lot of steroids, and again, back in the day, um, the you know the anabolic steroids, the Winstrol and weightlifting and all that, all the weightlifters, right, yeah. Sure. And and those guys not only do they tend to have more breast tissue, but they also underneath the nipple area of the complex tends to have this more of a fibro fatty disc, or more of a disc. Oh, okay. And so sometimes you have to go ahead and take that down. The most common cause is idiopathic, which is a big fancy medical word uh, for I don't know. Okay, sure. so it just happens. Genetics, gene- right. uh, genetics, all of that, and. Um, that's usually the kid that's, you know, 12, 14, starts getting this, doesn't want to go to the beach, doesn't wants to wear a T-shirt to the mm-hmm. pool party, et cetera, et cetera. And most guys will then go ahead and hit the gym, okay? And so they'll hit the gym, they'll do a lot of weights, et cetera, to try to try get to rid of it. Out. And so oftentimes these guys will come in with, you know, good pec muscles and still have this stuff on top of it. And so for those folks, we take a look, and it's usually an ellipse, a football uh, looking thing on the lower one third of the uh, of the chest wall, mm-hmm. uh, where it is. And now everybody's got some breast tissue, but some folks' receptors are a little more sensitive to the estrogen that's kind of flying around right. or that, that, that kind of thing. Men have that exactly yeah. right. It's a certain fixed percentage. So so mm-hmm. again, it can happen to to anybody. Sure. So having said that, is, is so two ways to go about it. One is, is again, I always think least invasive to most invasive, right? Sure. So least invasive would be liposuction, where you would go ahead. Uh, after you know, diet exercise doesn't work then you go to liposuction where you go ahead and suck this stuff out mm-hmm. and usually that works pretty well now sometimes the gland is so thickened that you can be there till tomorrow with a liposuction and it won't work mm-hmm. so sometimes we do liposuction sometimes again my weightlifting guys we take out as much as we can and they have that fibro fatty disc so then mm-hmm. yep you got to put a little smiley face incision around the nipple area of the complex get down to it take out that uh, disc uh, 
and then you know things are things are good and you want to go ahead and make it look nice and, and everything else and then third is sometimes you do have to make a little bit of a larger incision and take out the gland itself oh, okay. uh, and and take all uh, take all of that out and some of them have had that I mean for years right years and years oh yeah, yeah. no no we've had folks that this is you know doc I've had this since I was 12 14 and, sure. they're, and they're there in the 30s 40s wow. uh, and like okay I finally have enough time uh, in my life, I can do this. It finally bothers me enough, you know, to X, Y, and Z. What, what's um, what would be the youngest that you would do that kind of procedure? It de- that that depends. That it would really depend on you know why's you know right. why why they have it, the origins, and then take a take a good look because they're still growing, see. of course. Yeah, and so yeah, you, you don't want to go in there too prematurely uh, as well. Now some. Uh, stuff you go in right away cleft lips and palates obviously you know some of the craniofacial stuff mm-hmm. uh, ears we talked a little bit about ears you typically want to go ahead and pin the ears back and do otoplasty um, usually now you want the ear to be big enough that you can actually manipulate right, it a little you want bit to get faster their growth spurt right? yeah and so but Ideally, before yes. before they uh, start getting really teased in school sure uh, and so that's kind of where that is but we've we've had folks and it's usually the the gal uh, high school, college doesn't want to um, put her hair back. Doesn't want to play sports. Right. And so yeah. you can really change somebody with that. But I have uh, uh, somebody in our practice now that's uh, older, and again, finally said, "Okay, that's it. This, has been, bu- this it. has been yeah. bugging me my whole life, mm-hmm. uh, and finally, I'm not working with you know the you know pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. That sure. I'm going to get this done. Yeah. And um, and the answer is, yeah, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. So let's do it. Yeah. I mean, the thing is too that those kind of things, even though. To some people, it would seem like a minor thing. It could become a very big yes. issue. Yes. Oh, right? yeah, no, no. The gynecomastia is, uh, again, a big issue and a, con- a confidence uh, mm-hmm. issue. Yeah, ears, tremendous confidence uh, type uh, type issue. Um, all of it. The, the And getting back to the breast reductions, uh, too, is, is, you know, girls don't want to uh, date. Uh, girls don't want to wear certain clothing. Girls right. don't want to run track. Girls don't want to... Um, to do uh, those sorts of things because of something not their fault yeah. that uh, they have and with an operation you can change that and when that happens that's when it's really cool to be yeah, a plastic you can see them you can see the, the yeah. just the relief on their face of like i finally got this sure solved. and we and thankfully we're we're able to do this all the time. We lately, for some reason, we've had a, a rash of people coming in to get their earlobes fixed. Oh, interesting. Um, oh, you were talking about yeah, right, with the uh, with the, the holes, gauges and all right, that sort of sure. stuff. And now the military won't take men with earlobe holes, yeah. and so we're getting those those folks. But some folks have uh, with the gauges and they've kind of you know blown out their ear and been hanging out for a while, and they're 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 coming in and getting this stuff done, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, oftentimes it's like gosh, I, I can't believe why did I wait this long or. Um, yeah, it, it's really a game uh, a game changer for sure. a lot of these folks, and that's when surgery, plastic surgery, and well, medicine gets really fun when you're able to go ahead and make a change, a good change that somebody really, really likes. Sure. Um, and talking about men and plastic surgery, I mean, we, we've touched on that before, but that's an interesting subject. I know it's become more popular. Yeah. Um, what's the the most common thing that they re- they want to talk about when they come to see you? Sure. So um, are they, do you find them generally comfortable with talking about that? Or Well, yeah. I mean, they kind of self-select and they, you know, the ones that wind up in your office are there to, to They're talk. ready to do something. Uh, right. right. And so if you asked me that question 20 years ago, most Guys wouldn't be caught dead in a plastic surgeon's office, etc. Right. Having said that, they've kind of figured out that wait a minute, there's some stuff out there that actually can make me look, you know, good or better or whatever. Mm-hmm. And especially because, uh, again, guys 50 years old are running full court basketball. Right. You know, guys are doing triathlons. It's a lot different than it was. It's right? different. Yeah. yeah. It's not our. Uh, it's it's not our dad's. You know, yeah. 50. Uh, 70, 75. When I was a kid, was was considered pretty oh, old. Oh, ancient. Now there's, yeah, these guys are doing guys stuff. Guys are very mutters. active. Yeah, right? they do stuff. Mutters. They're yeah, it's yeah. So it's a whole different story, and so they're like, well, you know, why do I have to look uh, a certain way when I don't feel a certain way? Right. And um, so yeah, so so guys, it's usually uh, eyes uh, because they get a little bit heavy in the lids, etc. Okay. And the blepharoplasty your eyelid surgery, I think, is a really big pick me up. Mm. Uh, I think that's good. Facelift, neck lifts at a certain age. Um, liposuction uh, at a certain age. We talked about that too. Rhinoplasty also is a big right. deal. Um, so kind of the gambit of uh, of that. And guys usually aren't worried about their arms and thighs. But I, the other stuff, yeah, I, I, I think so. And they're coming in for little stuff. They're coming in for Botox and fillers. Yeah. And they're actually coming into the skincare side of it. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, the skincare side and saying, well, yeah, you know, why do I want my skin looking, you know, you know, mm-hmm. crummy uh, and everything else? Yeah, because we we mentioned like even guys like construction workers. Yeah, men's men, you know, I mean, cops, firemen, construction guys. Okay, macho dudes are actually coming in here and getting and getting stuff done. My yeah. my cops and my firemen, they come in for the liposuction uh, now. Um, or, or you know, other things just to kind of freshen themselves, uh, mm-hmm. freshen themselves up. So yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's basically for everybody now. Tell me about the. Um, I, I know you're. We, we mentioned on the last episode about the skincare aspect of your practice. Um, so you guys are actually launching kind of that. You've already had it before, but you're yes more focusing on that. Right? Yeah, I, I've always thought that that is important. Uh, probably because we live in Las Vegas and our skin just gets battered sure. uh, by wind and by sun, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so I've always thought that that was an important uh, element of the practice. Um, yeah. One. And so I brought this stuff uh, called Environ uh, back from my buddies in Beverly Hills when I was in Los Angeles. Uh, And so that's been kind of our go-to for 17 years now. And because the science makes sense. Uh, It's in an ester form. All my my science geeks out there. It's an ester form that gets through the lipid bilayer and gets in the cellular machinery. Mm. What that means is it it works. So so, yeah, but it's also hand in hand with what our estheticians do because they also do the hydrofacials. They do regular facials. They do um, uh, uh, micro panning now. They do all of the PRP stuff now. Mm. And they do these peels now to go ahead and try to get rid of some of the fine lines and wrinkles and age spots and stuff. So it really works hand in hand in that. And then now we just came out with um, our uh, own sunscreen, which I think uh, there's no better sunscreen anywhere and the reason why I think about that is is, is because and I've studied this a ton is being here in Las Vegas and we never wear enough sunscreen and we never yeah. cover enough enough and we never do any of that so this stuff is actually it's uh, zinc and titanium based which means it acts like a shield so the UV light comes in and bing bounces off the shield and goes away uh, as opposed to chemicals which we've always had for years and years which act more like a sponge right. so the chemicals you know it absorbs the uv light and so which is fine but you're still putting chemicals kind of on your skin so this stuff is kind of based on you know the old zinc oxide that the surfers used to, sure, to right. back yeah. in the day <laughs> yeah. which is which the is white nose with yeah. the white with the white nose sure. and then they went into war paint with the different colors yeah, and it was, yeah. it was all 80s we were all crazy you know back then you know, <laughs> that's parachute pants all the whole thing. anyway <laughs> so uh but it but it was really good sunscreen really good sunburn. right right yeah because <clears throat> the surfers we that just get toasted out there. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, anyhow, so so this is obviously a few steps more refined and everything else, mm-hmm. and it's clear. And so we have it actually facial stuff, tinted and non-tinted, because a lot of the gals love the tinted stuff, so they don't oh. have to put base on and sure. and that kind of thing. Especially uh, the the gals that uh, work at the pools and, and okay. stuff. The, the cocktail waitresses and surfers. Yeah, in Las lo- Vegas, of course. Loved right. it. Love love uh, that sort of tinted stuff. So we have that uh, as well as non-tinted, and we also have stuff for face and body, which is safe enough for uh, babies okay. uh, and young kids. And again, that was important to me too because obviously I have a little one, and so it's important to me. Okay, what am I putting on her skin? Right. And uh, what is there anything? else out there better than this and the answer is no and i and, and you have to reapply it etc cetera, etc cetera. but sure. again with the titanium and zinc base uh along with the stuff that it's not a chemical that to me was a big deal and mm-hmm. i've taken 17 years to put this stuff together and i put yeah. my name and you've seen a lot of the results of skin yes. da- of oh, damage yeah. right? and, and i've yeah. put my name on the bottle sure. right so oh yeah so skin damage i mean i've had a couple of basal cell carcinomas taken off of me right um, we deal with bad skin all the time and people yeah. come in for facelifts but hey if they've been you know going to the lake and toasting themselves for 30 years oh and by the way I smoke and oh by the way I just, I just we've had some bad skin and sometimes it limits you to what you can do and you can say mm-hmm. look we can do the facelift right. but you know X Y and Z the other thing too is is after surgery very important to keep uh, incisions out of the sun and here mm-hmm. in Vegas I actually tell folks literally you can't run around outside naked uh right, until yeah. this is all healed up yeah. uh because people don't want scarring because people, yeah, sure. people don't want scarring and, right. and people do silly things <laughs> so um living in vegas well i actually uh we talked before about um your wife dina yeah and she uh 
she works for Top Rank Boxing, right? Which is, I guess, the world's largest boxing promoter. Yeah, been around for uh, fifty plus years. Yeah. yeah, and some people may not know this, but you're the you're actually the ringside doctor. Well, yeah, not rank. a ringside doctor. So no, those guys. Well, actually, let me, yeah, let me yeah, no. that. So yeah, so let's back, back a second. Those guys are studs. Okay, right. in as much as they have to make really big decisions in uh, sixty seconds. Sure, right. they're specially trained, uh, and those so those are the guys that you see step onto the ring and take a look at the cuts okay. and all that kind of good. Now. What people don't know is, is those guys, they're all hired by the Nevada State Athletic Commission. They do the special training. They do the fighters' physicals before and after the fight. So every okay. fighter you see in there, because the Athletic Commission really has done a good job of protecting the fighters. They have to, right? Well, they have, well, yeah, because fighters want to fight, and fighters want to, uh, to earn money to, to, for their family. Right. And so some of these guys, way back in the day, would be, you know, Kid Frisco, and then two weeks later be, you know, you know, Kid Las Vegas, right. and then some, and they would fight under every, a bunch of different names. Oh, yeah. under different names, and they're just getting clobbered. So now they can't do that anymore. They really, so they've really gone out of their way to try best they can. It's still, I mean, it's a contact, it's a combat sport. Um, it's to protect the fighters as much as they can. Right. So sure. having said that, so those guys are the guys that make those calls, and everybody, everybody afterwards uh, gets examined. Now, if the examination is such that. They say, okay, well, you're all right. You don't have to go to the hospital, but you got this cut. Then, hi, Jeffrey, I get to show up and go, hey, do you want me to fix that for you? Yeah. And, yeah, obviously, most of the time they would say, you know, yes. Yeah. So. And that's great for them to, I mean, you know, because they, they want to, they, they, I'm sure even though they're boxers, they still want to look good. Well, there's, They don't want to have a big scar there's necessarily. that. The, most of the guys at that part of their game basically like a surgeon or plastic surgeon to close it because we close it in layers we take our time etc because um, we, they want it to heal so it doesn't open again sure because they're getting back the ring and it's going to get hit and obviously scar tissue is not as sturdy as mm. non-scar tissue and so they like it um so that it doesn't tend to open up again at uh, one and then two sometimes at the very very end you're done with your career then you go back and you do the you do the kind of the big um, redo to actually make them look nice. Right. The other thing too is, is, is yeah, that that actually is semi recent phenomenon. In as much as boxers for years didn't care, and then mm -hmm. all of a sudden guys like uh, you know Muhammad Ali showed up, who was pretty. If yeah. you ask him, right? uh, <laughs> yes, yes, I'm, he would so say. Pre I'm pretty. Um, <laughs> it's my best Ali. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, and then and then De La Hoya, okay, mm -hmm. and another handsome guy that right. that can cross over and do Gillette commercials. They sure. can cross over and do that. Uh, that's yeah, of, because it's a different things. world now. They're out, they are it's doing a that stuff. It's a different world. Right. So uh, and so yeah. So in that regard, um, you know, Sugar Ray, those sorts of folks do pay attention uh, to that. But most boxers and and uh, just want to box. Yeah, yeah. I, I miss you know we were talking about that earlier. I miss old school Vegas. So they had the the uh, the landmark, all those uh, classic hotels. Oh sure, um, lots of great stories. And um, so tell me about uh, we, you mentioned about old school night. Oh, so old, old school <laughs> Cause, night. Because to back to back that up a little bit, yeah. you and your wife are both super busy people, right? Yes. So, so we, we we do that, and sometimes I, I again most couples when they're busy, it's, it's sometimes it gets ridiculous. Um, is we'll see each other for like half an hour. How's your day? Great. How's your day? Like. Okay, good. Yeah, you know. We're <laughs> yeah. So, and you've got your daughter. And we have the daughter, yeah. and and you know she's so darn busy, and then I, you know, stay busy, and so yeah, it's a little silly, but, and um, so we did old school Vegas night, and what I mean by that is, <laughs> um, we decided, uh, you know, date night. Okay, well, yeah. date night, and. Um, we've been fortunate that we've you know eaten about everywhere in town and, and all sure. that kind of stuff. There's some great restaurants. And there's here. some great restaurants. Yeah. I mean, back in the day when I was growing up, there was like the 49 cent shrimp cocktail that was like high brow. Yeah, the steak dinner. The steak steak oh yeah, the steak, well yeah, the steak dinner. Yeah, the yeah, the breakfast. surf and turf was always good. Yeah, the, the, yeah right. The, all that. Uh, the circus. I was fond of the circus circus. Uh, buffet back yeah, when I was right, in. Yeah. When I, when that, I was that was in the place to go. That was a place. Uh, that was a place to go because I was running cross country and track then, so I was yeah, going through like four thousand calories. calories. So it was great. And then the Stardust um, was also cool because it had free drink refills. So that was a cool thing. That was that's where my head is. Right. I mean, we, used so, to, we used to do the five, the nickel slot, and we just get our free. Drink. Oh yeah. So yeah. No, it was it was yeah. It was all insane, and we and we did it. It was great. So so yeah. So we did old school uh, Vegas night. So uh, so we got dressed up. And uh, so old school Vegas night, we went to Piero's, okay, which is 
which is we can do five hours on Pierre's. Yeah. <clears throat> so great restaurant. Uh, Freddie Glassman's owned it for forever. Uh, it was in the movie Casino. Uh, the stairs. It's been a bunch of movies. Oh yeah, a bunch of movies. Uh, the, one, the stairs that Sharon Stone uh, f- uh, fell down. Yeah, I was there. Oh, okay, okay. All, all of that. So whatever you think, kind of the answer is yes. Okay, <laughs> right. Old school gangsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All of it, uh, so that's so that's number one. So we went to Piero, uh, Piero's first, and by the way, it has great food. Okay, yeah, so, I'll you food. and they pour an honest drink. Uh, by the way, so uh, so great food, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then you never know who's going to be there, right? Sure. And so that's uh, it's it's always it, always interesting uh, of like who's in that booth? Oh, him. <laughs> yeah. So always good. So we went Piero's first, and then we went to the Pepper Mill, which is also kind of yeah, legendary. That's a great place. Um, and that's a place where they have the fire pit and the girls in the cocktail outfits with the long uh, dress with a slit skirt yeah. and very classy. Um, and that's and also been in a bunch of films. A bunch right? of films. Yeah. And uh, so that's always a good time. And so we had a, a, an adult beverage there, which was nice. And then we capped it off with one of my personal faves is Lovett's Custard. Uh, L-U-V-I-T, <laughs> yes, Custard, right? Uh, and it's just the West, the Western Sunday never disappoints. It's in the shadow of the stratosphere, right? And been there for forever. And it's custard, not ice cream. And it's it, phenomenal. You go up, it's a window. You give your order, da da da, and they slide. And there's actually a lot of wedding chapels over there, so oh, you, you totally. can have your custard and get married. It's sure, whatever you know, whatever whatever you need, and uh, one stop shopping. Yeah. So and and you you have all walks of life down there. You yeah. know, get, uh, getting this, get it done. And it's it's fabulous. Been there forever. And it's one of those institutions that should never go away. Uh, so yeah, it's it's sad that a lot of the old casinos kind of went away. And, and I I think that when I first moved here, I moved here in '88, and that, a lot of that was still here. And it was actually really a small town compared to now. Oh sure. Um, so yeah, no, we were talking uh, again off. There's you know places like and the Landmark, uh, the Dunes, um, right. you know the Riviera now is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the Stardust, uh, all those all those places. And that's progress. Uh, yeah. But yeah, back in the day, it was uh, it was it was you know something special. So yeah, so we did old school Vegas night, which I thought was kind of was kind of fun. Yeah, and, that's, and that's it, great. Yeah. Um, also, you know, I, I, you um, when you trained uh, was in Philadelphia. Was one was that sort of your first medical? training well yeah so basically is medical school which is uh, actually I went to Nevada which uh, the first two years are up in Reno and then the last two years they bounced you or then they bounced you uh, between uh, Las Vegas where the people are and sure. Reno and um, so we did a lot of stuff over over at uh, UMC and the funny part with that is there was the surgical rotation so the surgical rotation for students 12 weeks uh, and it was eight weeks at UMC and four weeks at the VA in Reno. Mm. Okay, so it was really kind of a wide breadth and depth. But so some folks would go four weeks UMC, four weeks Reno, four weeks down at UMC. Well, and the housing went away. So it was kind of like, all right, well, you'll sleep in my bed and I'll sleep in your bed and then we'll trade, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So there was a lot of that going on right, right. back then. And then, go, of course, in the surgery rotation, you really weren't sleeping that much yeah, anyway. it was a crazy schedule, right? So no, she would go, you would shower, you'd sleep a couple hours and come back, you know, and that was really kind of more of a flop house than anything else. So <laughs> I think that they f- fixed that because that got a little bit silly, uh, right, flying right. flying back and forth for, you know, three months or driving. Actually, most guys drove yeah. uh, back and forth. And that's a long that's, that's a haul. That's <laughs> hours of nothing desert, that's right? that's it's kind of driving through mars there's some uh, uh yeah there's the loneliest high which is up on the top of the state but that's mm-hmm. a that's probably be a close second yeah, so yeah. although uh, some of the towns there are great uh the mizpah hotel uh hotel yeah, it's Tulum, the old west the, it's it's very much the old it's very much rural very much the old west which was cool going to a medical school that had that because you were able to go to they on purpose did a rotation in Winnemucca, oh, Ely, East Ely, uh, and so so, all these small towns in northern Nevada. Yeah, without uh, without a lot of docks, and right. so um, you went out there and you really saw and you were able to see and able to do a lot of, mm-hmm. of stuff. And uh, uh, actually, one um, time we were going back and forth, and again, this was the eighties. Um, we actually saw before it was known to the public a flying wing, the B one, uh, the 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 stealth bomber. Oh, right. Uh, right they were flying yeah. those uh, out there. And uh, basically, so we're going along and all of a sudden, it's like a spaceship. <laughs> no kidding. And um, all of a sudden, this this thing, I'm like, what is that? Mm. And I woke my, my brother was with me. I woke him up and I'm like, he's like, what? And I'm like, look, the flying wing is like, are you out of your mind? And sure <laughs> enough, just then it banked at 90 degrees and mm. you saw this big V you yeah. know, going through. Mm-hmm. And you're like, 
what in the heck is that? Yeah. And so, yeah, there's um, there's some interesting stuff going on in the deserts in Nevada. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, that's well, the Area 51, and we all know about. <laughs> right. Well, and the other thing with that is, is um, there was a a craft, which they, aircraft, which they haven't released yet, that goes super duper supersonic, and it, it leaves Nevada, and it flies over the Pacific Ocean, and flies around for a while, and it comes back to Nevada. And the reason why they know about it is because it was setting off the size the seismographs oh with the uh, sonic booms and uh and, and like what's going on Interesting. and um so yeah it was it was and, yeah. and again this was back in the day so yeah so nevada was med school and then went back out to uh back east uh, back out to philadelphia yeah. for uh for general surgery training and philadelphia years. i mean you know it's a great city but also there's I'm sure. And you work trauma there, too, right? Well, you work a little of everything. Yeah. yeah. So so Philadelphia, and I was just talking to a couple of, I still t- keep in touch with a few of the folks uh, that mm-hmm. are still back there. Because, again, I was the oddball. I was from way out west in Las Vegas. Yeah. And most guys were from the the East Coast. Yeah, New York. Or whatever. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, New York, all of it. And uh, so, yeah, but it was the 90s in Philadelphia, so we saw everything. And, and we did it all. We did neurosurgery. We did trauma. We did ENT. We did plastics. We did all of that because general surgery at that time covered all of it yeah and uh and then we covered icu for so it was terrific training it was um uh, busy <laughs> uh right. but it was it was tremendous training it and really you have some of the world's best doctors that. there too right it, some yeah some of the guys that and gals that we trained under were phenomenal uh, or we went to their lectures if they were at a different um uh, hospital or different medical school, and uh, it was yeah that that part was really. But some of your, I, I'm, there must be some crazy stories. What, what what's some stories that oh, come to mind? A thousand, working <laughs> a, a, a thousand Philadelphia. Because well, this is also the time of sort right. of the crap, crack crack Oh epidemic, yeah, it was yeah. it was the '90s. Was Philadelphia? Crazy, right? It was crack craziness and everything else. And and Philadelphia is a is a is a great city, and it, and it's it has some very uniqueness to it. Sure, uh, you really have to know the rules and, and the un the unknown rules in Philadelphia, et cetera, yeah. to kind of, kind of make it work. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, everybody who's covered trauma has a thousand trauma stories because mm. people get into predicaments and that kind of thing. Sure. One of, and it's a young man's game, I think. And there's some still guys that are in their sixties and doing, I don't know how they do it, but uh, so we're in the trauma bay. And again, we're working 120 hours a week and, and, they just keep coming and it's either auto wrecks or it's it's a um, shot right, uh, gang stuff, or, or right. stuff like that or guys who got shot and then got in the car and then wrecked the car so is he penetrating trauma <laughs> or blunt trauma it's wow. gonna mess up your statistics so <laughs> so you get that okay so um, alright so one of my but one of my faves is again these guys come in and nobody's at their nobody's at their best especially in the trauma bay yeah. and some of these guys are high on who knows what right. and it was back then and there was a lot of crack and they're whatever. fighting they're, you know yeah. and they're, so there was this one guy maybe was maybe was 140 pounds and again as a young guy you got to go ahead and put him it, it gets dangerous because you have IVs in your hand you have needles and stuff like that. Right. so you got to put them down and sometimes you got to tie them down and stuff like that and again as the young you know, you think you're an invincible guy. You're going to put a, put a, and especially the intern. And you're still and stuff learning, like that. right? <laughs> well, you're still learning. Well, and then the, you don't want them hitting nurses. And you don't want them hitting, sure, you know, right. other you know, techs and the EI and the IC. Anyway, so basically, so so sometimes you got to put them down, hold them down, and they have these, you know, restraints that you put down uh, for them so they stay in the bed. Uh, <laughs> and then you can go ahead and try to draw blood or listen yeah. to your heart or do whatever you need to do and all that. Okay, fine. So, so there's one guy. Um, so one guy, you know, maybe 145 pounds dripping wet, right? You know, he's doing the whole thing and, you know, uh, and all that. And he jumps out of the gurney, right? Mm-hmm. And so I go ahead and pound again. I'm, you know, young and dumb and nuts. Or, and, all stuff. <laughs> and I pounce on the guy, right? So he's on his back. He's looking up at me. I'm on top of him, right? So I'm in, I've been wearing the same stuff for 40 years now, right? Uh, scrubs and a big white coat, right? right? So, and so I'm on top of this guy. And so I have all of a sudden this big hand grabs me by like the scruff of my coat and, and he's kind of pulling on me and then a Philly cop comes and goes ahead and grabs the guy oh, right wow. and basically grabs a guy and like does, a whole crazy does the figure four chicken leg lock puts him back into the gurney <laughs> you know and, and puts the cuffs on okay so he's back in the gurney right. and so I look behind me uh, of who's grabbing me right and it's another Philly cop and uh, he lets me go and he says hey sorry doc I, I didn't mean to grab you like that mm-hmm. he says but I know this cat and he bites ears oh <laughs> and I said 
Oh, yeah. I, I said, I said, well, officer, anytime you want to help right. out, right? For me, if you see me, you don't have to ask. Yeah. Okay, just, you know, help out and stuff like yeah. So anyway, so I'm like, well, I appreciate that. And my ears appreciate that too. But yeah, you would get these cats that would that would come in, yeah. you know, high as a kite and superhuman strength, 440 pounds, you right. know, and superhuman strength. Yeah, and, and you're you trying to help them, right? Right. And but they don't understand. I would get that and they may be on who knows, or they buy something and they don't know what's in it. And it's a PCP. It was a mess. Yeah. Uh, back in that back in the day so well, what yeah. were like the most common um injuries in that kind of a situation well trauma like, well, seeing everything I well guess, yeah but. it depends i mean you know a blunt trauma is you know you know, you know baseball bats to you know pick a body part right. uh yeah. all that kind of stuff car wrecks and especially because um back in philly we had an interstate and so people would it would get yeah. you know drunk and, and run their cars into other people or post or pole or who knows what uh and then of course back then there was a lot of penetrating trauma which would be uh gunshot wounds and knife wounds and, yeah, and, that. Right. and then again back in the day um Sometimes they would go through the ambulance. Sometimes the guys would roll through the front of the ER and just open up the back seat and shove their buddy out and keep rolling. Wow. And so that was that was wow. that was yeah. the 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 bounce ins or drop uh, yeah. drop offs. And so we would have that. Uh, sometimes the cops uh, would go ahead and just uh, throw somebody in the back seat of the cop car and bring mm -hmm. them in. And and then okay, that's all. Yeah, you're just trying to save that's, them. Right? That's all legit. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and get them to us, and then mm -hmm. we did our darndest to go ahead and save everybody. And uh, yeah. um, it was it was great training, but it was it was a nutty. What was nutty that? Time. I mean, I, and I, I guess this happens to it's part of the deal with doctors. But when you lost a patient in that situation, what was your? I mean, when that first happened to you, how did you deal with that? Well, it's it's terrible because that that's not what you're there for right. uh you're there to save lives and uh, or restore form and function or or that sort of thing sure and in the moment you have to just keep going you know you, you just have to kind of keep doing what you're doing etc cetera, etc cetera. and and this was probably most poignant when uh, it's a Friday or Saturday night in Philadelphia and all hell's breaking loose, right? And so you got four guys in the ICU, you got two guys who need to go to the operating room, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And some 16-year-old kid was in the wrong place in the wrong time and caught, yeah. a, and caught a bullet. And, uh, and, 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 and you do everything you possibly can for this kid. But... Um, but there was no chance yeah. and, and it just you know tore through you know, the heart of the order or the the superior case, or whatever it might be and they got, you know and you, you do everything you possibly can for this mm. kid and it winds up dying and then you and then you got to you're the chief resident so you got to go talk to the family oh that's tough and that is exceptionally difficult for a couple of reasons one is because of the weight of the situation it's terrible you're going to get you're right. going to give mom and dad the worst information they possibly could ever get sure so that's step one step two is you got about 60 seconds to do this because more rolling in right, right. behind yeah, them you got to go to the or because you got two guys that you got to save mm -hmm. uh and and, and and that makes it really difficult and and thankfully back then some of the social workers would come with you the nurses were spectacular tremendous they would go mm -hmm. ahead and uh um would, would would talk to the family and stay with the family they would they would best you can you know clean up the the, the patient and stuff so sure, they yeah. you know now sometimes you have to talk to the family and go look this is a coroner's case and so we can't take out any tubes and so right. you're going to see him and he's going to have tubes sticking out of here and there and everything well and stuff and they did they did the nurses did a tremendous job of trying to make things as good as you could at that point right. um and then but you but you sit down and you talk to them and then you let them talk and but in the back of your head sometimes especially on a crazy night you have this metronome uh, going i have to go because i have to save three other people yeah uh, sure and that's uh, that's when it gets tough. Um, mm -hmm. But again, then you got to go to the next thing, and you got to save who else you got to save, and you, you got to do do that. And then so, and basically, yeah, you, you know, you do that, and then you know maybe after you're off call and stuff like that, or you're with your buddies or something, and then after a beer, to you like, wow, that was really something. Because they're all dealing that with that the same terrible. stuff, right? We're all yeah. going through it. And yeah. that was one of the things that the, one of the things I miss is the camaraderie, because mm. all of us rotate through the same stuff, and we're in it elbow to elbow together. And and that's why the nurses that I worked with uh, back in Philadelphia were, were 
is spectacular. Yeah. Uh, uh, and the do- the other dogs. Because they're in the front line just they're, like, yeah, yeah, they're doing yeah. it. Even the guy pushing the mop is because, is, is you know, they, you have this big, huge, ridiculous trauma and you're bleeding all over the place and you're putting in 10 units into this guy and you're trying to resuscitate him and it, it's, and it really, you know, it, it's it's a mess. And then some guy has to show up with the mop and, sure. and, and, and clean up all of that. Yeah, because that's really a team, right? Uh, because yeah. if he doesn't do his job, I can't get another guy in there sure. to, to, to yeah. do it. So it's, it's absolutely, trauma is absolutely a team sport yeah. uh, and uh, so that that's the the the, the 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 good part of trauma is the camaraderie the bad part of trauma is is yeah you can't you, you, nobody's been bad in a thousand yeah. uh, you, you know it, and you get a gallows humor every now and then you know and sometime you know you say well yeah, a guy came in dead stay dead you know mm-hmm. because no matter what you're going to do for this guy um, if there's if he's got 10 bullet holes in him yeah, in places yeah. that that you shouldn't have bullet holes he's not the one that's going to make it so sure. but you, you you work and you learn and you figure out okay what could I have done better and we have trauma conference so you get to and they used to record them so you would live it over again mm. alright what did I do there what should I have done better yeah. etc et it's so important so, to learn I mean I, I mean that's just I think that's obviously a part of that your profession sure oh yeah no absolutely you have to learn how to kind of right right. because you will see bad stuff and that's why it's so that's why the program is so long because you get to see stuff but you also get to feel what you have to go through to then get to the next step and it's nice to have um uh, colleagues and it's nice to have uh, friends and mm-hmm. I still call these guys up and yeah. we were and now we're texting we we still go back and forth. It gets a great support system. It's right? an absolutely great support and and we in the medical everybody needs a support system, but we in the medical profession also need especially in these times, four hundred, four hundred doctors a year commit suicide. Oh really? I didn't know that. Four that's more than cops. That's wow. more, and there's a lot more more cops, and cops have an absolutely stressful job, and it's and I wouldn't, I could never do that job. Your guys are dragging bodies out of lakes and everything, it's just tremendous. Yeah. So, so, but that's two graduating classes of medical students that become doctors, mm. and so we're losing those, and, and so here in Clark County, and actually. The psychiatric association, especially with COVID and everything else like that, people are just getting stressed out. They actually now have what they call a warm line because it's not twenty four seven. But basically, you can call and uh, and talk to a a psych guy, uh, oh, okay. which is tremendous. And even if you're not a doc, even if you're a nurse, even if you just work in a hospital, right? So. And there was always, obviously, like anything in the, the military or the police or fire, it's always, you know is that a stigma attached to that? And the answer is, is no, and we have to go ahead and do yeah, a better job. Yeah, because that's stressful. Even under normal circumstances, it's right. stressful, right? Right, and so now they have this program, and again, it's, it's the NPA that came up with this, is, is they don't want your name. They don't want who you are. They don't care. Yeah. Uh, there's no chart. There's no bill. There's no nothing. Okay. Uh, they just it says, yeah, I'm here to talk to you. Yeah, and NPA, is that the... That's the Nevada Psychiatric uh, Association. Okay. So, and so that's their their project and um, and the nice thing also is 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 sometimes people come in with psychotropic drugs and you can call them and go hey this guy's on this and this and this uh, I'm about to give him this is that kind of okay you oh, know? and so yeah. that's also good especially for the critical care guys right sure um, because everybody comes in with everything nowadays yeah. so it's nice to actually have a voice to turn to or somebody that'll be able to give you help mm-hmm. uh, with uh, with that I mean everybody needs that um, uh, but especially nowadays with the, with the COVID thing and healthcare and stuff we've we've recognize that as an issue and we're we medicine are trying to go ahead and uh, and help that out as well yeah I think I mean that's that's people you know they kind of I think a lot of people see doctors as sort of being bulletproof and it's like you're human you have it's stresses and emotions right. and well sure and, and yes you go ahead and, and you really put your hard hat on and your lunchbox and you go to work and yeah. you you see stuff that you that nobody typically sees and, and you see it over and over again and do you get hardened to it or do you see it so often but the thing is is just the word that everybody looks for in the trauma bay is unflappable. Right. Because you're the one that's going to take you're the, you're chaos. The, you're the head of the ship. And the make, ship. make sense of it because if you don't, you make a mistake and somebody will die. Mm. So, and you want calm in that situation because then you, from calmness, you make good decisions and then you, you save lives. So, so that's the thing. So yeah, you, you can go ahead and, and do that and then you can, Talk to your buddies that kind of been through the same thing, mm. uh, and I think that's that's 
that's always uh, helpful. But but you're trained not to fall apart at stressful situations. Sure. You know, I'm trained to show up at a airline crash and figure it out. And, right. and and make decisions and uh, and and that sort of stuff and triage and, and that sort of stuff. So again, it's part of the training. But the, the training is such that, again, you're not doing cardiothoracic surgery the first day. You're a medical student, right? So mm-hmm. you know you you see patients and you sew up some stuff in the ER, and then you'll do a hernia, and then you'll do an appendectomy, and then yeah. you'll do a right hemicolectomy, and then you'll and so they you know, they kind of gradually get you into these uh, these things sure. as well. But yeah, no, there's obviously in everyone's career there's certain points like oh I remember that patient. And I remember that patient because it made such a, a big impact. Um, what's your uh, when you do surgery? You have a surgery day, right? Is it one day a week? Or? Yeah, no. Everybody does things differently. Uh, you know, some guys take calls. Some guys, me, I usually in the OR twice a week, meaning Tuesdays and Fridays, mm-hmm. um, and then I see patients back at you know, three days after, etc. But yeah, that's kind of my pattern. But everybody's got a different, little different. Pattern. What's, what's that day look like for you? Uh, well, typically, I'll get up at 5 to be there at 6 to start at 7. Mm-hmm. I'm a little nutty because I like to be there, and I like to check things, and I like to uh, – I, I get down to – I actually check if the bed goes up and down. Oh, okay. uh, and that And nurses just look at me and roll their eyes. And I'm <laughs> That's like, important. And though, I'm right? like, yeah. I turn on the lights to make sure the lights work. I, t- I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit nutty right. when, it, when it comes to that. And then typically, I'll go through with the uh, with the nurse – uh, 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 the circular nurse and the scrub tech. Okay, so these are the steps of the operation, you know, and I do this and I do this. And I, oh, you need that suture. The of the team, right? right, so yeah. right. And so basically, oh, do you have this suture? Okay, let's make sure we do. So yeah. that's me. I mean, and again, everybody does different things and get, get good results, but I typically really sort of get in, you know, typically we'll get into the weeds. Uh, yeah. That's right. So it's nice having the same group every time because they know your moves and know what right. you're going to ask for. And you've been working with the same people for Yes, my anesthesiology uh, folks and I, we've been together 17 years now. Wow. Okay. And um, so they kind of know where I'm coming from and my moves and, right. and, and all that. And that's that's a tremendous, uh, uh, tremendous advantage. Um, and again, with me, it's all about safety. And I feel very safe with those uh, uh, those folks and uh, they've put family members to, to sleep uh, and I, so I trust them obviously with uh, with everything and, and and that's a big deal especially for moms they're, they're not really scared of the surgery they're scared of the anesthesia sure right and so again with me elective surgery two things it's got to be safe and effective if it's not safe if you're a little old lady on Plavix okay had a heart attack two weeks ago guess who's not getting operated on right yeah uh, and then effective I got to be able to say okay I'm going to take you to the operating room and we're going to change something and it's going to come out better Mm -hmm. okay so because if it's not then it's elective surgery yeah it's not a it's not a gunshot wound it's not cancer something got to move with aesthetic surgery you have the luxury of time so you can get people to the cardiologist and get them tuned up. You can say, well, mm-hmm. why, why are you anemic? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. You, you can go ahead and uh, Yeah, and, make and sure everything's right. as best as it can be. Right, right. exactly sure. right. So, yeah. So, so try to, again, set yourself up for success and get your ducks in a row. Um, tell us how people can find you. Um, sure. So uh, there's two, a couple ways. There's one is we're all over social media now. We're on uh, Instagram. We're on Facebook or Twitter. Um, and so, actually, we have multiple channels on uh, Instagram and on uh, Facebook. Facebook. Uh, also, um, uh, on our website uh, is uh, www.jjrothmd.com, uh, so jjrothmd.com, uh, and there is really, we try to put it out as a resource because we have cartoons on it, we have um, all sorts of information, so please go check that out. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the phone. We're as close as the phone always at 702-450-0777. And we'll have all that information also with the podcast text, so please uh, see that there. And uh, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we look forward to having you uh, join us again. Sounds fantastic. See you soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. For further information, please visit the podcast website link for Dr. Jeffrey Roth. See you next time.